2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle the podcast and thanks for listening I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart on today's podcast we're going to go round the league with all the fallout from the first Sunday of the regular season with DJ Shockley the former Falcons quarterback and get you ready for the Monday Night Football doubleheader
1: and Brian let's kick off the podcast today with NFL Hall of Famer E.D. Eric
2: Dickerson E.D. thanks for taking the time how are you I'm good. How are you guys doing? We are doing well, and the Rams look good yesterday. But do we apply any degree of an asterisk next to that victory? Because Scott Tolzien was a disaster.
3: Hey, let me tell you something. In the NFL, when you win, you don't put no asterisk. You just put the W or the loss. And we have we put a W there.
1: Ed, when you look at how Jared Goff played yesterday. I know you had your, your sentiments to what you thought of how he played and maybe even the move that the organization made to grab him as the number one pick overall. Do you now feel as if, based on how Coach McVay has him planting his foot in the ground when it comes to throwing the football, throwing the ball with velocity, checking out of plays, getting under center, coming out of the huddle, getting the shotgun, he looked like he belongs. Do you Are you buying into it or you think it's just you need a little bit more because it was just week one?
3: Well, it, it was week one, but, but still, you know, he looked very good. I mean, that's, that's what we've been looking for as, as Ram fans here in L.A., is to, to see the, our number one draft pick last year, to play like a number one draft pick. And, look, I'm not a big fan of always rushing a quarterback or any player. That's, that's the first pick in the draft or in you know, the first round. You don't feel like you have to play right away. But, you know, that's the way that the game is right now. They want to try to play the players as soon as they can. But, you know, yesterday he looked like that guy. You know, he made some great choices. Uh, he threw the ball very well. Uh, he looked like he was in command of the field, uh, and I know they didn't play. The Colts are not a strong football team, and I tell—I said this today on my radio show. Look, he's not going to play like that every week. I understand that, you know. This, this is a great week; it's a great win. But but you need to beat a team when you're supposed to beat a team. You need you need to beat them just like you like like the coach like the Rams did yesterday. You don't want to leave any doubt, you know. If they don't, if they the or. Uh, 23 or something like that. It people still had questions about it, but the way he played yesterday, he played a very good football team, and I think our offense looked so much. I mean, it was like night and day from last year. And I, I'll say it again: it's not going to be like that every Sunday. It's be some games going to be tough. be some games that he won't play well. But yesterday was uh, a, a reminder of why we drafted him number one last year.
2: The Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. E.D. a year ago, Todd Gurley described the offense as a middle school offense. And, you know, he didn't have a single 100-yard rushing game. What's the outlook this year? Bounced back with a touchdown yesterday and 96 total yards.
3: Well, you know, and, and they tried to blame it all on Todd last year. He's not running the same. He's not doing this the same. Last year I was at the game and I got a text, two texts at almost at one time from Marcus Allen and from Burma Thomas. they both of them did at simultaneously. They're gonna get him killed back there. And and the reason that being that is that the blocking wasn't there last year. You just have to be honest. The scheme wasn't there. The offensive scheme was terrible. I called it high school offense. It looked like a high school football offense. I got uh, tweets that said don't talk about high school football like that, high school football <laughs> is better than that. So you know, and it really was. I mean, high school football had more imagination than what we had last year. And the one big thing is, is that you have to get acclimated to your offensive line. You know, Jared Goff and, and um, um, Gurley hadn't worked together much last You know, this, it was his first year. But it's really about the offensive line and the running game. When I got to the Rams in 1983, my offensive line, and I didn't know Jackie Slaver said it to me last year. Eric, we had been together almost seven years when you got there. He said Wendell Tyler had taken the blunt of the beating." He said, and "All of a sudden, we were a jailed offensive line, and that's what you want. I mean, and that's what we're looking for from our offensive line is is to to be able to to you know make Todd look like he did his rookie season. He has the talent, but if you don't have the whole, you know, you can't you can't make it happen."
1: Ed Coach Sean McVay comes in and and, and set his his tone with what he wanted his offense to look like, which I thought it looked really good. Um, you have to line up and play every week. So I don't I don't get into this thing of team was just that bad because of you were either just that good or you weren't. And I thought the Rams weren't defensively. Look at what they did with Wade Phillips. I mean, it looks like a totally different team. Are you really encouraged about what you see with this team? Not so much you know, by the plays they made or or the plays they didn't make, but from a fundamental standpoint when watching football, this was somewhat the laughing stock of the NFC West, and maybe just the National Football League for a few years, do you do you feel pretty comfortable with what you see from a fundamental standpoint? You, you did everything without Aaron Donald. So they really applied the pressure. They really ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. It wasn't much they didn't do well yesterday.
3: Well, Cordell, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, and, and what I'm saying is is that one, one thing we didn't do well yesterday, we didn't run the football well yesterday. That's okay. You know, I think because they still want to put seven or eight in the box. But am I, am I, am I pleased with the way that uh, the steps we've taken most definitely? Last year, I think we had one of the best defenses in the National Football League. If you took our defense and put them with the, the Cincinnati Bengals, even the Cleveland Browns, I guarantee you, we would possibly be in the playoffs because our defense was that good. But our offense was that bad. Our offense was the worst in Rams history. In Rams history, that's how bad we were. I mean, so when you have an offense that can't keep your defense off the field, it hurts. It hurts badly. I mean, you know, as a football team, you don't want to start pointing things. You don't want the defense pointing to the offense. You don't want the offense pointing to the defense. But last year, as, as as a former player and as fans, you have to point, look, our offense is terrible. So this year, hopefully, if the offense can get on track with the defense, we can be a very dangerous football team. Because you know what it comes down to. It comes down to confidence. You win one game you win two games, you win three games, you win four games, you win five games, all of a sudden you start believing you're good. People may say you're bad, but you start winning football games and you start believing you're good. The year the Rams were 4-12. and 12. The next year they won the Super Bowl in St. Louis. No one saw that coming. I mean, no one saw that coming. So that just shows you how quickly things can turn around. And it can happen here because our defense, we have a very good defense, a good sound defense. If this, it's the offense plays, up to the defensive standards, or vice versa. You know, you don't want to have it this year where the offense plays great and the defense plays bad, so you got to get on the same page.
2: Breaking down the Rams with the Hall of Famer, Eric Dickerson. Eric, you went through some challenging contract talks when you were a player. Are you surprised Aaron Donald came back to the Rams on Saturday without a new deal?
3: Uh, you know, not not really. I mean, because if he didn't come back, he still with all the Rams that that, that year. I mean, you, you can't you can't get them under it, so it's no way – that he's gonna sit out the whole year. It wouldn't make sense. I mean, if you sit out the whole year and you get the year wiped out, maybe so. But holdouts are hard. They, you know, they're, they're hard on a player. I mean, players. You know, you want to be there with your team. You you want to you know want to play the sports you love. Uh, you know, you don't want to, people to think that, that that you don't care. But you also you have responsibility to yourself and to your family. People don't realize this is a job. This is fun. You know, to, to be able to play football, especially when you're young. But at this level, this is a job. This is a career move. And, and Don, Aaron Donald is doing what he thinks is best for his family, life after football. There's life after football. Am I shocked he came in? No, I'm not shocked he came in. Am I glad he came in? You know, I'll say this much here. You have to do what's best for you. And I say that for anyone. You do what you think is best for you.
1: E.D., you mentioned life after football. Let's talk about life as an L.A. Rams fan. Give me your take on the energy in the city when seeing their team come week one play as well as it did. Are they a little bit more optimistic? Are they excited? Are they, are they in a position where some may be saying, man, we're going to the Super Bowl this year?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I'll say this. I, I, think, I think people are still a little bit optimistic. Like, ah, we're not sure. Maybe. You know, we had, we had, I think they had 60,000 tickets sold. It was about a little over 50,000 at that football game. You know, last year at the, on the, open of, the open, opening day, well, not even opening day, but the preseason, they had 98,000 fans that at a preseason game. So it was some excitement. I think it still is some excitement. I mean, this city is all about winning. I mean, L.A., you have to win in this city. Uh, or if you don't win, you have to be excited if you lose. But they want, to, they want winners. That's what it's all about because there's too many things to do. I think the fans will get excited about the Rams all over again if, if, they, if they do it right. Uh, I think they're, they're trying to do it right by hiring a coach that has, you know, some, some spunk. Not this coming in, you know, pointing the finger at the players, not pointing the finger at yourself as a head coach. You know, a coach that takes responsibility. A coach like, hey, we can't do that. You know, he's a young coach, but the players like him. And it's all about respect. You know, you know it's, coach, players have to respect their coach. And talking to the young players and even the older players that play under Sean McVay here, they have respect for him. Even he's a young; he's a, he's a lot younger, same age as some of his own, some of his players. But they respect him, and he he knows pretty much everything about special teams, defense, offense. I mean, and I was shocked when the guy said, "Man, you know he knows." He said he knows everything about every position. He said that gets me excited because I only play on special teams, but he knows my position, so it's most definitely some excitement with the fans and also with the coaching staff. So, you know, let's just see how the year goes, and, and hopefully that we, if we keep winning, there'll
4: be some excitement here in L.A.
2: Ed, always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. Now that you're the Rams VP of Business Development, are you the guy we call when Cordell comes to town if we need tickets to the Coliseum?
3: Yeah, make sure you call me first.
2: That's my man. That was the right answer.
0: (laughs)
1: Straight to the point. That's what I'm talking Uh, about, E.D.
0: Okay, guys. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate the time. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside
2: Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to your exclusive interviews with SZA.
0: And
3: I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know.
2: Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from. or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music.
0: So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships.
2: Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's dissect the key takeaways from Sunday's action with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, we appreciate you taking the time. So the Falcons survived, winning by just six points on the road in Chicago. On that final drive, as you know, the Bears had two shots at the end zone, came away empty with a pair of drop passes. How did that Falcon D look to you?
4: You know what, I, I thought uh, was good to see you guys again, talk to you guys. Um, I, I thought they had their time. They were up and down. Uh, I thought they did a good job for the majority of the game, uh, keeping everything in front of them. I think they only allowed two plays of over 20 yards. So limiting those big plays are big. Uh, but also heard Coach Quinn today talk about after he watched the film, they had double-digit missed tackles, So I know that's something that uh, he was really disappointed in, something they have to do better at. But uh, – Ultimately, when it came down to it, when they needed to stop there, uh, the Bears had four chances there from the five-yard line and could not get it in. So, ultimately, you bend, you bend, but you don't break, and you end up having the winning sack there by Brooks Reed to end the ball game. and it's always good to end that way.
1: DJ, you know when going on the road into a hostile environment, it's always good to, to get a victory, even if you squeak one out. Uh, one thing we talked about last week when you are on, which was – this Atlanta Falcons team winning, finishing games. Uh, right. Two drives in the very latter part of this game, scoring drives, whether uh, it's a touchdown and a field goal, they end up accomplishing that. How big of a win you think is it for this Atlanta team to actually go on the road into Chicago and get a win, or is it one of those where, you know what, we almost lost it, we should have won a little bit better?
4: No, I think uh, you bring up the, the perfect point of regardless of how the Bears were last year, I think they won three games. This is a Totally different year. You go on the road. It's the first game of the year. Everybody's excited about it. you got a brand-new team on both sides. So last year kind of is what that is. But to get a road win is always big, regardless of the opponent. Uh, I think they were very pleased to walk out of there with the win, regardless if it was close or not. Uh, this was a Bears team that, that gave them everything that uh, they could handle. And I think coming into the ball game. Uh, a guy by the name of Tariq Cohen came in and really had a very big ball game for him, a rookie out of North Carolina A&T uh, playing for the Bears, and I think he was probably an X-factor for him, and the Falcons, I wouldn't say they weren't ready for him, but he, he definitely was a key player for them, but getting the road win is big, uh, and I don't put too much stock in just because it's the Bears and they weren't as good last year. This is a team that, just like anybody else, they got guys on their team that they get paid to play this game and are pretty good players and play in National Football League and uh, I think one thing that's kind of uh, is not talked about as much is this Falcons team is now a team that's looked at as uh, they're being hunted now. Uh, but the NFC South champs, NFC champions, so everybody's going to bring their best when they play this team because they want to be known as the team that knocked them off. So uh, everybody's going to bring their A game when they play the Falcons.
2: DJ, because we're talking fantasy football every day on this show now, Cordell's a fantasy guru. On Friday, you can check the tape. He said, watch out for Tariq Cohen. He was all over the player from North Carolina. Okay, okay, Well, he see the
4: future. I see him. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, Tariq right. Cohen could be sitting next to me and we would not know who he is. No but idea. he looked good on the field yesterday in Chicago. He's Cornell Stewart. Fantasy analyst. I'm Brian Weber checking in with our pal DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. Let me take it to Lambeau Field. DJ, were you surprised the Packer defense looked that good against the Seahawks? Seattle's offense shaky once again.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I was and you know, I, I think over the past couple of years, Seattle's offense hasn't been that good, to be honest. I mean, they find ways to make plays, but they've always kind of lived and died with their defense. And uh, you expect Russell Wilson to, to play a little bit better and, and be a catalyst for getting that team over the hump offensively, but they just haven't done it. And I was surprised to see how much pressure they were getting on Seattle with just their front four. They weren't blitzing a lot. They did bring some at times, but there were times where they only had four guys up there rushing the passers and were able to get pressure on Russell Wilson and you got five down linemen and you're getting pressure with four. That's going to be a long, long game for any quarterback. So I was surprised to see it. Uh, it's interesting that now Green Bay is starting to put that defense with an explosive offense, even though they didn't look as explosive yesterday. Uh, it, it's an interesting match to see how well Green Bay's gotten up front and touching that front seven.
1: DJ, here's a two part question. Were you more impressed with how Dallas played yesterday, or were you more disappointed on how average this offense look This offense looks without Odell Beckham.
4: I, I was very disappointed. Uh, obviously, I was disappointed in the way the Giants' offense looked. Uh, Dallas, yeah, I kind of expected them to have that same kind of mantra. They're going to run the football, and backs going to take care of it, and you know you got some guys on the outside make some plays, and that's kind of been their M.O. But I was even more disappointed in a guy in the Eli Manning nature who has been around for a while. I know you don't want to put everything on his shoulders, but this is a veteran guy who's been around for a while. You, you think he'll find a way to get this offense moving and going. They just never found uh, that, that offensive rhythm. And I know OBG is a big, big part of what they do, and uh, he brings double and triple covers sometimes until other guys can get open. But you still got a guy like Brandon Marshall out there who I don't think is done, who still has – Uh, the two to get it done, one catch for 10 yards is just unbelievable. And I couldn't believe uh, that they sputtered in the way they did, uh, only scoring three points. So I was very disappointed in what uh, the outcome of what they put on the field yesterday offensively.
2: DJ Shockley is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. DJ, Carolina beat San Francisco. If you watch the highlights mechanically, how did Cam Newton look to you? He had the two touchdown passes, but – did not throw much in the preseason, and there's some questions about where he is coming back from the shoulder injury. Cam did not answer any questions from the media postgame.
4: You know, I, I think that he's not always back yet, and not having those preseason reps. Obviously, he had some in training camp, but there was a time in training camp where I think they sat him for, you know, 19 days or whatever it may be, just to rest his shoulder some more. And if you watch some of the game, you're used to Cam throwing it 100 miles an hour. And I, I thought yesterday he had some that were 80, 85, maybe 90 miles an hour uh, and Just talking his speed, but I didn't see the, the zip that he always had on it from the past. So maybe he's still trying to get the strength back in that shoulder. Maybe he's still working his way back. Uh, I thought the accuracy, especially in the first half, wasn't there. Uh, I know he missed his tight end uh, in the end zone there, big, big major overthrow. Uh, so I think he was still a little rusty, still trying to figure out Uh, his fundamentals and uh, stuff in live game action. Um, But I think ultimately it's going to take him a couple games to to really fully get back to the old cam that we're used to seeing.
1: DJ, last year Matthew Stafford was a comeback kid, I guess you can call him that. Uh, Multiple games in the latter part of games, uh, winning drives, positioning the team to kick a field goal to win the game. Uh, But yesterday against the Arizona Cardinals, 7 of 8, 122 yards, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the same old Sam Bradford. He's got a, the biggest contract in the NFL. Do you think he's legit when it comes down to being considered as one of the better quarterbacks in the game and a guy who's been given the type of money that he's been given as a quarterback in the National Football League? Are
4: you talking about
1: Stafford? Matthew Stafford, yes. Yeah, yeah,
4: Stafford. You know, it's. I think the jury's still out on Stafford, you know, because if you look at his overall record, he has more of a losing record than winning record, and I think giving him that money, Detroit understands that he is the franchise guy and they probably won't get any better than him, but he is a, a top-caliber talent in the National Football League, but I think the jury stood out on him. I think he has to go out and win more games. He has to propel his team a little bit more, uh, especially to get him in the playoffs and win a couple games, to to, to be considered one of those guys, and I know it's not just a quarterback. You got to have the pieces around you. Your defense has to do their part as well. But there's going to be some games where he has to win it for himself. He has to go out and propel his team and take it on his shoulders. So uh, I think the jury's still out on Stafford right now. Uh, A lot of people are excited about him. He he did look good yesterday swinging it around, but he's always done that. He's always put up big numbers. He's always played well uh, for the most part. But now it's all about winning games and winning the right games at the right moments as well.
2: Plus, he got a lot of help from Carson Palmer, who looked like he was 119 years old with the three interceptions. DJ, great information as always. A reminder, if you have fantasy questions, Cordell Stewart has the answers.
4: So I can just I can just text Cordell. Will he text me back though? That's all I'm asking. Highlight
1: your we'll boy. Hear. Just highlight your boy, DJ. We ain't got to do this. We got people listening, man. We have to do this in front of company, okay? Just keep that between gotcha, me. Bro. I'll text gotcha, you
4: back.
2: Gotcha. I appreciate it, well. <laughs> I know where my phone is. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. We'll chat with you next Monday. All right, bro. All right, fellas. You're listening
0: to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to, and from, the heart of pop culture.
2: Author's note.
0: That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life.
3: I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself,
0: but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from
1: people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book
2: at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us.
0: With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and
2: Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Cordell and I are more than sure of what's going to happen in both games in the opening doubleheader for Monday Night Football.
0: It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm
2: more than sure. All right, my man, the headline tonight in the Twin Cities, the return of Adrian Peterson. It's the Saints coming off a 7-9 season, matching up with the Vikings 8-8, your pick to win the NFC North when we made it official in the preseason. Let's take it category by category, starting on offense. Drew Brees had 5,000 passing yards a year ago. Sam Bradford was record-setting. With a completion percentage of over seventy-one percent, who has the edge on offense tonight, the Saints or the Vikings? I like the
1: Vikings. Uh, you have Kyle, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, you have Diggs on the outside. Uh, you have the quarterback and Matthew Stafford. You have the backfield with Murray, and also Cook coming out of uh, coming out of Florida State. Uh, I think when you look at this football team on the offensive side, I think they have more pieces. And I mean, this is a debut night for two teams and two games actually a debut night the first debut night and that first debut is with Adrian Peterson having a chance to play against the team he's been with his entire career they're in their new dome Uh, how is it going to be for him I think it's going to be probably pretty different and strange but I think offensively I think when you look at this I think the Minnesota Vikings has an edge offensively in its totality and what they're able to do what they bring to the table on the outside to also the backfield this offensive line and yeah you talked about it Sam Bradford 71. Point, well, 71.6% passion completion last year mainly because of the tight end and, and Kyle Rudolph I think is going to be the reason why they have more of a let's just say methodical approach to where they're dinking and dunking keeping that offense on the sideline not giving adrian peterson a chance to get warmed up i'm going with the minnesota vikings offense.
2: no need to waste time on defense minnesota top 10 defense a year ago new orleans a disaster how about intangibles what does it mean to have adrian peterson playing in minnesota cordell for the very first time as a visitor
1: well i tell you what it's going to be pretty interesting to see I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the fans actually respond to Adrian Peterson. I thought he left Minnesota with grace by showing levels of appreciation from the fan base to the organization and what they've given them the opportunity to do. Uh, But at the same time, when it comes down to Purple People leaders, you better believe they're playing to win. They're not playing for, you know, to come out and get more victories away to someone. They're just trying to get a win because I think this is a team that no one's talking about and giving respect to overall. I think this is gonna be one of those games where Adrian Peterson may wanna get off, but I think this defense is gonna be back to where they once were at the beginning part of last year and all of the year prior, which is a run-stop defense, taking your strengths away, not allow Adrian Peterson to be the reason why this New Orleans team actually get jump-started with doing some great things. I like Adrian Peterson to help out Mark Ingram, Drew Brees, but I think still it won't be enough to be able to, to top this Minnesota's defense because this defense is really darn good for Minnesota.
2: Prediction time, I'll take the Vikings, 27-21. How about you? I'll rock with you on that. Go ahead, 27-21. Wow. Why not? I mean, it'll
1: win. Hey, I'll rock with you. Okay. Hey, I
2: get it. Because yeah. you got a lot to say about what's coming up. Game two of the uh-huh. doubleheader. You'll be staying up late. Oh, that yeah, game bro. scheduled to kick. 10:20 eastern time depending on how long new orleans and minnesota goes so let's start with your pal you've known him since you were growing up together in new orleans what's the outlook for vance joseph tonight in his head coaching debut
1: yeah this is the second debut that it was adrian peterson going to minnesota for the first time on the opposite team to now vance joseph having his first opportunity to coach in the national football league as a head coach he's been an assistant been on the defensive side of the football but now he has a chance to lead the charge with this team They say, words coming out of Denver said, in Vance we trust. We're going to find out for sure because this defense I saw this preseason being undefeated, this defense was tenacious. They was running around with a ton of energy. Uh, A defense that looks like a defense we saw last year in Miami when Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator in the Miami Dolphins area. So when looking at this, I think it's going to be a good outcome. Uh, I think overall, I think they just – annihilate the D, uh, the, the, Saint, the L.A. Chargers. I was about to say, annihilate. Same I think Even with annihilate Joey
2: Bosa. Them. That's a pretty stout defensive unit. Yeah,
1: but Joey Bosa is just one guy. You have to get the other 10 to actually jump on the ride and, 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 and ride it smoothly with Joe Bo- Joey Bosa. They'll take care of him. With that zone blocking scheme they have with running the football, they'll keep him on the outskirts. But I like this offense. I like this defense. Defense is going to create a short field. Special teams going to create a short field. I just predict that this offense is going to be pretty solid with Trevor Simeon. We hope we don't have to go to Brock Osweiler, but he said this is one of the the, the fifth most liked place of places that he's gone. Probably the third in the top three. Uh, so top to five days
2: of his life. Days going of his back life to in Denver. The top yes. three places that he loves. Well, he might play he for five teams. He's Brock Osweiler. We don't hey, know what the future
1: holds. How I many? He's been three in two years. <laughs> And he's got a lot of money over those two years too, by the way. Denver is happy that they can get him for what they're getting him for. What is 750,000, which is the veteran minimum. And, and he has cleaning on the hook for 16 of them. <laughs> hey, hey, I bet every place, every block of concrete I step on would be the best step in life. If I was getting that type of money and hadn't done a single thing since I've stepped away from the Denver Broncos in the year they won Super Bowl 50, but Vance's debut is going to be a big one for him. Uh, So primetime, let's just say Sunday night football, primetime. Going to have an opportunity to watch it and looking forward to seeing how well he does at 1020 Eastern on ESPN. What's the final score? I give the Denver Broncos, I go 24-14. Denver wins.
2: Okay. I'm going the other way because I'm riding with Phillip Rivers over Trevor Simeon. Not just to be a contrarian, the L.A. Chargers win in their first game as the new team in America's second largest city, 21-17, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. you staying up late for this game, of course, right? You know I am. I have to watch the homeboy do his
1: thing, man. I just want to watch it. It's going to be interesting because I'm interested to see how Denver actually plays with Trevor Simmons starting at the helm and see how good this defense is going to be and what's going to happen. In the backfield with the running backs. C.J. Anderson and company, how's it going to
2: work? Jamal Charles could be a factor
1: tonight.
0: Can be. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
4: Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love or war putting this together?
0: I loved it, but... it was war. Really?
4: We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. Body like News and interviews with your favorite country stars.
0: When I first heard this song, I knew it was me.
2: Shut up and kiss me out the girls say.
1: With all of your favorite new country songs. Join me on Country
3: Roads on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Now it's time for Cordell to do some football problem solving. Some teams and players are about to get slashed.
0: Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed.
2: All right, partner, what's first on the agenda? Get out that knife. Who's getting slashed? Well,
1: I'll tell you what. There's a lot of things that happened yesterday that caused you to either squint your eyes when watching, scratch your head, or wonder what the heck is going on. But how about this game, the L.A. Rams versus the Colts, and having to prepare during the week, get yourself ready to go. You're calling out plays, you've got coverages, you have fronts, and you're basically talking about the team that you're going to play against. But let's listen to Coach Chuck Pagano in his speech when talking about the team he played against.
0: We got our asses kicked. Credit 49ers
1: and, and Coach McVay. 49ers? Co- and Coach McVeigh?
2: <laughs> well, he got the state right. At least got- he understood he was in California.
1: Well, I thought Kyle Shanahan was the head coach for the 49ers. I thought Coach McVay was the head coach for the L.A. Rams. That's a part of why I think this team is truly struggling when it comes down to it in the very end. I don't know for sure at quarterback if you would have had Andrew Luck or even Scott Tolzien because we had a chance to see Scott Tolzien going 9 of 18, 128 yards through two interceptions and correct me if I'm wrong, took it to the house. Fed four sacks for four four sacks for twenty nine yards and had a QBR of six point three. When the last time we saw a QBR that low? When you have a team that is struggling as bad as this team is at the front line of the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the football, trying to create plays, whether it's Andrew Luck, whether it's Scott Tolzien, this team needs a makeover from top to bottom. You may be able to keep Andrew Luck. But I tell you what, I don't know for sure if Andrew Luck could have stayed alive when it came down to how bad that offensive line played to protect their quarterback.
2: Okay, but if we think about the future of Indy, what's going to change with Andrew Luck getting a guaranteed $87 million?
1: Well, I tell you what, that's a move that... We saw uh, this head coach, Jim Irsay, the owner, Jim Irsay. He made that decision to give his quarterback the opportunity to get that type of money, trying to make a big splash to show, let's just say, Joe Flacco up. Because you remember, Joe Flacco ended up getting his deal after winning the Super Bowl, and Jim Irsay basically came back and said, you know what? Let's compete. This game is all about competition. Let's make sure our guy here in Indy gets the opportunity to get the bigger deal. But let's just say across the board, this team is struggling. I'm somewhat happy that Andrew Luck didn't play because from Chuck Bogano mentioning Coach McVay in the 49ers and also also the quarterback getting hit so many times, two interceptions for two touchdowns, four sacks, 29 yards, 6.3, uh, 29 yards for sack for the total sacks and 6.3 yards on the QBR, it wasn't really That good, Brian, I must say.
2: Did you text Chuck Pagano and ask him how he's doing spiritually? He needs that conversation. You better believe he needs
1: that conversation right now because I tell you, From that interview to the performance by this football team, I mean, they made, made, you know what, they really made Jared Goff look like he truly was the reason why this team played really good, which he was. I mean, his number one pick last year, he came in, he had a phenomenal game. He actually went out and went 21 of 29, 306 yards. He threw a touchdown. He looked like the quarterback that this organization ended up drafting last year. In the, as the first pick overall because of how bad the Indianapolis Colts was. But I
2: would say that. how about this, though, Cordell? If we're talking about strategic long-term planning, Andrew Luck had this procedure in January, and I know they made the deal for Jacoby Brissett last week. Why wasn't there a better plan in place, and why were they moving forward with 34-year-old running back Frank Gore? Well, here, here's the thing.
1: One, Frank Gore, I know he's older, but you know what? Again, it's another situation where it doesn't matter who you had at the running back position behind his offensive line. When your quarterback get hurried as many times as Scott Tolzien got hurried yesterday. The sacks, along with all the tackles for losses when it comes to running the football between the tackles. Even though the, the L.A. Rams didn't have Aaron Donald, you would have thought Aaron Donald was actually in the trenches when it came to how well this team actually played. Either it's the Indianapolis Coach being that bad, or truly it's the L.A. Rams' a team to be reckoned with when it comes down to being in the NFC
2: West. A reminder more bad injury news in the preseason for the Colts in addition to Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder procedure and Ian Rappaport on NFL Network said yesterday still no timetable. The Colts may not see Andrew Luck until October and the question is are you going to rush him back to play behind that horrible offensive line? Remember they lost their starting center Ryan Kelly so they do have better pieces up front unfortunately they're dealing with a variety of injuries. Okay that's number one on the agenda. Who else is getting slashed? today you know what i think
1: bill o'brien is probably going to get slashed here i remember we went out to greenbrier the America's resort out in west virginia and watched the texans practice against the new england patriots and we were asking the questions about the position there were many that were basically saying you know what Deshaun Watson is a really good quarterback. He brings intangibles to the quarterback position here in Houston, meaning where we were talking about the Houston Texans team, that no other quarterback was able to bring to the table. It wasn't just his intelligence. It wasn't just his arm strength. But most importantly, it was his footwork. We had an opportunity to see him do it. But you know what? They started Tom Savage. Tom Savage comes in the game. He gets sacks three times for 33 yards. You saw that defensive line by the Jacksonville Jaguars? Calais Campbell, he had three and a half sacks in the first half. Now, when I ask also the question about a complex offense, you know, this is led by Bill O'Brien. Some say, oh, you know what, Cordell, it's just an offense that's just like any other. You have to make the right reads. You have to, everything under the sun, just do everything right like any other quarterback in the National Football League. For me, it doesn't have to look or be that hard. Whether it's the offensive line really that bad, whether it's the quarterbacks are horrible again, because here it is. We're having this conversation about the quarterback position again. I'm going to ask this question to you, Brian. Are all the quarterbacks that we've seen come through Houston that bad under Bill O'Brien, or you think it's more now what we've seen with Tom Savage
2: and also Deshaun Watson? Is it
1: more of Bill
2: O'Brien? Well, I don't know there was a play calling yesterday, Cordell. You watched that game. Did you see that offensive line? I'm, I don't, I don't think the most nimble scrambler of all time, Sir Francis Tarkenton himself, could have avoided what Jacksonville was doing coming up with those 10 sacks.
1: And he couldn't even while talking about Deshaun Watson's good feet. Yes, he scored a, He threw a touchdown in the red zone, something they needed to get done. He also threw an interception. But he was sacked two less times than Tom Savage. He was sacked four times for 21 yards. So overall, you had 10 sacks for loss of 54 yards by both of these quarterbacks. I'm, I'm, I'm just at the point where now I think it's more about, about Bill O'Brien and his approach offensively. Because I tell you what, they made this team and the Jacksonville Jaguars look as if they were the team to beat in the AFC South. Yes, I said it. The Jacksonville Jaguars look like the team to beat in the AFC South based on the physicality they brought to the table on the offensive side. And also, most importantly, which I think just annihilated everything they were trying to do on offense, the defense that they brought to the table when it came down to going against this football team. But for me, when it comes against Slash, I think it starts with Bill O'Brien. He needs to figure out what type of offense he wants to have and which quarterback he wants to have, starting, starting in the starting lineup, having conversations, watching him on NFL Network and also ESPN, and they were asking the question about the quarterback position and what he's going to do. He was fumbling around everything Uh, needing to be answered by basically saying that he's not sure who he's going to start. If I was a bet man and watching that game, I would set my offense up around Deshaun Watson and let him go. It's not saying Tom Savage is not good enough, but you had a chance to see his weakness. His weakness is... When there's pressure up the field, he cannot move off of his spot to get to the next, to the softer spot in the pocket to complete a pass. At least Deshaun Watson gives you the ability to be able to be flexible in your play calling, whether it's getting on the perimeter, whether it's quarterback draws, uh, uh, whether it's play-action pass, giving Lamar Miller the opportunity out of the backfield to be able to create some plays. He had 17 carries for 65 yards, only 3.8 yards per rush, and then you had Deshaun Watson, two carries for 16 yards for 8.1 yards. 1- eight yards per rush. So at the end of the day, for me, the guy that needs to be slashed is Bill O'Brien, their head coach for the Houston Texans.
2: And Bill O'Brien, as you were referring to today, non-committal about who the starter is going to be. A reminder, Cordell, this game coming up for the Texans is on Thursday in Cincinnati. Short week. So it has to be made now. Road team. Well, they know internally they're not telling us. Also factor in, Deshaun Watson is dealing with an ankle issue. So he's tender on the ankle. Are you really going to ask a rookie on a short week to go on the road if he's not 100%? What would you do if you're Bill O'Brien?
1: Well, if I was Bill O'Brien, I mean, you you may, to not make it seem as if you're panicking, is to keep the status quo what it is. The status quo is Tom Savage is our guy. We go ahead and bring the kid off the bench if we need to. Uh, Because that performance, it's enough to make you panic based on what we saw Jacksonville do against them. Jacksonville? We're talking about Jacksonville, a team that we've been trying to keep on the surface of conversation just in general. We basically said they have a better supporting cast in London, over in Europe, when they actually travel on the road because of how tough and how rough it's been for these Jacksonville Jaguars teams, in particular for Blake Bortles. I mean, yes, he went out and went 11-21. to He threw a touchdown yesterday, 125, 128 yards, somewhere in there. Happy for him. He got an opportunity to get a winner under his belt. But I think in order for them to be able to get that done, uh, they had to do it the way they did yesterday. So hats off to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Poor performance and effort by Bill O'Brien and his team with the
2: Houston Texans. In less than 10 minutes, we're going to give you our comprehensive preview thoughts on what's coming up tonight on Monday Night Football, what we are more than sure is going to happen, both in the Twin Cities, the return of Adrian Peterson to Minnesota, Saints taking on the Vikings, and then in the late game, it's the Chargers. First official game is the L.A. Chargers on the road in Denver. A pair of new head coaches, Anthony Lynn and Vance Joseph Cordell's good friend. All right, my man, you're on a roll. Who is getting slashed next on this busy Monday? I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals with
1: Andy Dalton. This team yesterday, this was a team that I thought would be able to compete for the second spot in this division, saying that basically, you know what? The Baltimore Ravens don't have anything. They don't have a running game. Uh, Joe Flacco's back uh, could be a part of of why they may not succeed, but Joe Flacco went out just very, let's just say, manageable from a manageable standpoint with 9-17, nothing courageous, 121 yards, touchdown and in INT. But when you look at Cincinnati and what they were able to do, speaking particularly about Andy Dalton, who should be slashed, four interceptions, one fumble for a loss, I tell you what, when you put your team in position to where you have a total of five turnovers, five turnovers, you got sacked five times for 26 yards, you put your team in position to not be able to score any touchdowns, I mean, that was probably the most horrible day, I would say, of Andy Dalton's career since being in Cincinnati. If there's a person who I would be have slashed, it would be him. But we can even go to the next level and say even Marvin Lewis. I mean, who did he not have in the lineup on defense? Fontas Perfect. And what did he end up getting this offseason? An extension. So it, it, for me, from a dysfunctional standpoint, it's just overall with the Cincinnati Bengals. But I had to start with their quarterback in Andy Dalton because he's played much better football before. Uh, and he's, he's went out and basically just stunk up the joint. Four interceptions. One fumble, a total of five turnovers, got sacked five times for, 20, for losing 26 yards. But last but not least, I think the guy that's actually leading the helm when it comes onto to the Cincinnati Bengals, Coach Marvin Lewis, I think he needs a little slice, too, on his leg. He needs a little cut somewhere. He needs a slash. Let's go on his shoulder. We won't go to another event. Okay, the we're just is going metaphorically
2: the speaking. Metaphorically we're not encouraging yes. the kids to do anything oh, involving no. no, when you say slash, slashing. that means we're,
1: we're dealing with you. Yes. And so when I think of Marvin Lewis and, and, and how he's going about it. I think it's just a cultural thing there in Cincinnati when it comes down to it. I know people say, man, it's just the first week. Don't become a prisoner of the moment. Well, you know what? Four interceptions, one fumble, forward, uh, one fumble and losing a fumble, and also Vontez Berfic, the leader who got an extension, is not even in the lineup. So you lose 20 to nothing. A Donut, I don't know the last time I saw Donut uh, within that division. At least you get two points, three points, but the Cincinnati Bengals not being able to score a point Five turnovers can't help you, as well as not having one of your leaders on your team, regardless of how dysfunctional and how undisciplined he is. Not being able to have him on the roster, on the defensive side of the football, I think allowed this team to be able to have a total in the rushing game, 157 yards on the ground. Terrence West led the charge with 80 uh, yards on the day with 4.2 yards per carry with the touchdown. Uh, Macklin had a phenomenal day catching a slant route. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, the receiver, the new receiver coming out of Kansas City, had two catches for 56 yards, uh, 28 yards per catch, had a touchdown. But Cincinnati, average at best to say the least. Andy Dalton, Coach Marvin Lewis, I'll throw you in the mix too with the decision to give a, an extension to Vontaze Berfie, sending the message that when it comes to disciplining your players and across the board, uh, there's no sense of urgency. And I think we saw that with Andy Dalton, four interceptions, one fumble for a loss, five turnovers with five sacks for 26 yards loss. I mean, that was. Oh, how about this QBR? 0.7. That's
2: not good. That, 0.7. That's not good even at all. if we round that, up. Huh. With perfect dealing with his latest suspension, and the play calling was puzzling. A bit odd that Joe Mixon only got three touches. We got two minutes left, my man, before are more than short game picks for Monday night football. It's not all negative. Let's go positive. There was a rookie running back that stood out to you who was slashing up the opposing defense, right?
1: Well, this was the young man and, and, and that I love and I like a lot. We talked to him at the draft. Leonard Fournette, uh, we've always talked about this Jacksonville Jaguars team and what it was going to take for them to be special. In having Tom Coughlin there, bringing his identity, bringing his approach – bringing this tough mentality, a time in which he had Fred Taylor and Natron mean business in Jacksonville. He brought the same philosophy there by drafting this young man early in the draft and Leonard Fournette. He comes in, he gets 100 yards rushing off of 26 carries. He also had 24 uh, 24 yards of catching uh, when he came down to it. So he had a total of 124 yards of offense. He and Chris Irie had a phenomenal game. But Leonard Fournette, when making that statement during the preseason of the National Football League is not a tough league. They don't hit hard enough. Well, when you're coming out of the, when you come out of the SEC, out of the west side of the SEC, when knowing, playing against Alabama, against Auburn, and all the teams throughout the SEC, you know what they do. They pack the box with eight men in the box, sometimes nine if necessary, depending on the personnel groupings and the formations on the offensive side. And what did this young man do? He ran yesterday like he's been around for a long time against allegedly. Keyword. The number one overall defense in the Houston, Texans, with having J.J. Watt, with having Jadavion Clowney, he actually slashed, I would say, the defense of the Houston Texans as if he's done it for a very long time. So the most physical team and the best team in the AFC South, no one may have thought I would say this. Brian, I know you're excited, and I know if Nick Ferguson is listening, he's probably excited as well. The Jacksonville Jaguars is the most physical and, as of week one, the best team in the AFC
2: I am stupefied by that remark. Welcome to the JAG train. Next stop, the playoffs. Thank you for listening
0: to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.